And you can find Colossians 3, 1 through 17 on page 1834 of the Pew Bible. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts upon things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, scathian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. I love Manhattan. I love the bustle, I love the people, I love the sights, the museums, the cultural events. I love getting into a cab and confidently saying to the driver, Fifth and Broadway! My poor introverted husband does not feel the same way about Manhattan that I do. (laughs) The problem is that with all these wonderful things around, I have trouble paying attention to things like sidewalks and traffic signals. And my poor sweet husband is the one person in this room who has ever had the misfortune of walking through Manhattan with me. And I cannot tell you how many times he has swung his arm out in front of me at the last minute to prevent me from obliviously walking out into traffic. Now, just in case you're thinking, uh, don't you run in Pittsburgh like all the time? Don't worry. Uh, Rest assured that Pittsburgh is no longer as fascinating to me as Manhattan. I see Pittsburgh every day. I'm in Manhattan maybe every couple of years at most. And so our own city is not nearly as wonder-inspiring, as distracting to me as Manhattan is. 
When we talk about our spiritual lives as well as everyday regular life, so to speak, there are countless distractions in the world. Sometimes it's the difference between seeing something new and shiny and seeing something that you see every day anyway. We've already talked in recent weeks about how spiritual discipline is not about earning God's trust or love or blessings. It's not about looking holier than the people around you. It's about seeing through and around and in spite of distractions to get to God. Letting anything get in the way of seeking God and God's kingdom in this world is nothing less than idolatry. But that's really hard, especially when we talk about studying God's word, which is to many of us quite familiar and something we see all the time. And woe to those, my friends, who think that anyone who is distracted by the things of the world is worse off than you yourself. We are all equally distracted just by different things. We are all equally in need as well of the wisdom of God. Now, I have a confession to make, and I hope this confession doesn't put my job on the line or anything, but I do not read my Bible every day. I'm really sorry if I've just shattered anyone's illusions this morning. I try to read my Bible every day. I want to read my Bible every day. I set out to read my Bible every day. I mean to do it, but sometimes there's just something shiny to look at instead. There's a new novel I'm into, and I wind up using all my time reading that, or I get sidetracked by the news or a magazine. I sleep in sometimes. I have kids. Talk about a distraction there. <laughs> was that? <laughs> I loved that groan, Randy. That was such a great uh, affirmation. Sometimes I'm just mad about the rotten things that God hasn't kept out of my life, and I don't feel like talking to God on that particular day. And I know that opening my Bible will force me to talk to God when I don't want to. Now, I have many, many, many more excuses lined up as well for when I don't get around to reading my Bible every day. And I have a sneaking suspicion that Randy has just confirmed for me that I am not alone in this. I was recently humbled by our sweet nephew, Brayden. He came to camp with us a few weeks back when I served as the chaplain at Camp Crestfield. And here's my quick uh, public service announcement and plug for Camp Crestfield. If you didn't send your kids or your grandkids this year, send them next year. It is a life changer. You see, Brayden didn't have his own Bible, but they asked the kids to bring a Bible with them to camp. Many kids get their first Bible for confirmation when they're a little bit older and they just don't have one before that. So I don't fault anyone that he didn't have one yet. It just was what it was. And so we were asked if we had one that he could borrow. Uh, and I jokingly asked which language he would prefer. And the answer was Italian. <laughs> I just love that kid. Um, he can do a word spar like no other nine-year-old. Each of my kids got their first real Bible, as in not a picture book, when they were entered first grade. I thought that Braden should have his own, too, as he was of age, so instead of lending him one, I bought him one. 
I have never seen a kid get so lit up about being given a Bible before. I've spent time in youth ministry. I've given lots of Bibles to lots of kids, and this time took the cake. He was so honored just to be given that book. And after the week of camp, his grandmother drove him back to the Washington, D.C. area where they live. And when they got home, she told me that he loved that Bible so much, he read it the whole way home. And I felt like such a loser. Here is this nine-year-old kid so stoked to have a chance to read the Bible on his own that he started reading it cover to cover in the car after a long, sleepless, busy, exhausting week at camp. My kids fell asleep in the car. You want to know something else? I fell asleep in the car on the way home. I wasn't driving, don't worry. And it's less than an hour drive for us to get home, and I didn't make it awake, let alone awake enough to be that excited to read my Bible. It's so easy to forget what a privilege it is just to have a Bible to read. And for the record, if you don't have a Bible to read at home, come to my office after church and I'll give you one. I keep a stash for just such an occasion. It's like the difference between walking through boring old Pittsburgh and walking out into the traffic because of the wonder of Manhattan. So thank God that we have entire books in the Bible of reminders about why we should study God's word to remind us of the importance. And thank God that we have each other to hold ourselves accountable. The solution to being lazy and foolish? Be around other people who are also trying to become less lazy and foolish. Be inspired by nine-year-olds who are blown away by the fact that someone gave them a Bible. Allow someone older than you to mentor you through the hard times. Use your memory of the hard times to help mentor someone younger than you. Colossians says, therefore, as God's chosen people, we are called holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Don't just want to have them. Don't just try to have them. Let them cover your entire being. Clothe yourselves with them. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. This is a group effort. We cannot do this alone. A lone wolf does not survive, spiritually speaking. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I love how both of the passages this morning don't leave us on our own to figure out how to study God's word. And both say that we should do it together. The introduction to Proverbs says that the Proverbs are given to us for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Even those who already think they know or know they know have more to learn. It says that we are to listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. 
Colossians says, Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. It is hard to study God's word in a world that tends to value it as being antiquated, outdated, or just plain wrong. And it's hard to study it when we've been there, read that. It's easy to fall into the trap of thinking we know it all. But I can tell you, I have three college degrees in ministry and theology, and the more I learn about God, the less I realize I actually know. Sometimes the familiar stuff surprises us. I said that I'm usually safe running through Pittsburgh because I know the city so well now. But you still need to pay attention to the familiar, my friends. You see, sometimes it's not all exactly what you expect. The other day, I was running through a very familiar area at Point Park. I know it well, so I sort of zoned out. I know every crack and turn in the sidewalk there. I've run hundreds of miles on that. It's a park with no cars, and so I don't have to worry about traffic. It's a safe place. It's a comfortable place. Or it was until I stepped in a big pile of, and we're just going to say that a horse was there just before me. If you get too comfortable with anything and you stop seeing, learning, reading, and changing, my friends, you're likely to step in something rather unpleasant. So with that, I'd like to leave you with a song, as Colossians says, to teach one another through psalms and songs and hymns. And this one is in the hymnal if you know it and you'd like to sing along or you don't know it and you'd like to read along. It's number 458.